recording. Oh, I got to set the camera off. Well, back when Ohio State won the national championship in 2002, Chris, uh, it all hinged on uh, two Cincinnati receivers dropping touchdown passes in the end zone at Paul Brown Stadium. I don't know if things will get that dicey this Saturday when Luke Fickle, former Buckeye and former Buckeye defensive coordinator and former Buckeye interim head coach, brings the Cincinnati Bearcats into Ohio Stadium. So you posed a very interesting question on, on Twitter and put it out there and when I started to think about it I kept going back and forth on my answer so I spent thank you for doing this I spent a whole day thinking about this and yeah we should refresh trying to get to the right answer what's should, the question we should refresh people's memory and the question asked Sunday afternoon on Twitter was if Luke Fickle had stayed at Ohio State and he had chances to leave long before he left correct oh yeah absolutely M- many chances and he stayed because Columbus kid Buckeye, loyal, had he stayed and had Ryan Day come in, would Ohio State have passed over loyal, longtime former Buckeye Luke Fickle to name Ryan Day head coach, or would Luke Fickle be coaching the Buckeyes this Saturday? Here's the thing. I have a really good relationship with uh, Luke Fickle. It started out when uh, I hurt my neck back in 1999. Mm -hmm. Luke was a free agent with the Saints. He blew his knee out. So he and I were over at Ohio State University training with Dave Kennedy. And we built up a pretty good relationship Mm -hmm. over the years. He had chances to leave, but Luke was smart enough and fortunate enough that he made enough money, good money, where he didn't have to leave to take a head coaching job. He was perfectly content in what he was doing as a defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Um, now, I thought the Cincinnati job was the perfect job for Luke Fickle. Did he have a chance? I mean, I'm not asking you to in, inform. Did he have a chance for a Mac head coaching job at some point in time? I would say he's had many opportunities, like you said. And, I, again. Uh, NFL opportunities as well, correct? Oh, I think that Vrabel would have taken him in a heartbeat. Yeah. And there's a bunch of guys that probably would have hired Luke. as a. I don't know if he would have gone as a coordinator, but I mm-hmm. think Luke would have gone – Easily as a position coach, knows a lot of football. He understands. He's he's really as genuine of a guy as you want to meet. I mean, you've talked to him over yeah. the years. Just he's a super guy. And you know, I remember when that Cincinnati job came open. I received a phone call from somebody at Cincinnati, and and they were asking me about Luke. And you know, I I don't think I could give a stronger endorsement for any coach mm-hmm. than I did for Luke Fickle. I I really don't. And I'm glad it's so far. That it's worked out. Now, that being said, after thinking and pondering your question, mm-hmm. 
overnight. So let's just set this up yeah, for go people. Ahead. Luke Fickle played for the Buckeyes for four years, started for the Buckeyes for four years, a Columbus kid, a guy who was an assistant coach starting in 2002 and then became co-defensive coordinator for, I believe, 13 years. And then in the middle of the Jim Trestle mess, uh, Luke Fickle agreed to become the interim head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. I know it ended up a 6-7 and seven season, but boy, if you go back through that season, there were about four games that hinged one play or the yeah. other. It could have very easily been a 9-3, and 10-2 and two season for Luke Fickle. It wasn't. It was 6-7. and seven. Then he goes back and becomes defensive coordinator again and until the Cincinnati job came open. So he would have been on staff with Urban. And had he stayed then, you know, you're talking about a guy who'd have been here around 20 years. So would you say that he almost, he took a, a very difficult situation over when, when Coach Trestle left and Luke was named the interim coach well, let me, let, and a let, freshman quarterback, let correct? Him, let Braxton him, Miller. Yeah, exactly. A freshman quarterback. Joe Bowserman. Yes. Joe Bowserman started the first four games of that season. Let's let MJ say it on Twitter. And you can tweet us at Hools at Chris underscore Spielman here on the Spielman Hooley podcast. He says, in my opinion, Fickle fell on the sword for Ohio State, took the interim head coach, knowing he would never get the real job. For that, Ohio State was obligated to keep him until he found the right head coaching job. I don't think Ohio State was obligated to keep him because I believe one of the uh, reasons why Urban Meyer took the job, and when you bring a guy like Urban Meyer, you're not going to tell Urban Meyer who he can or cannot keep. Correct. When you hire that type of yep. power, yep. that type of power is um, going to bring in whatever coach he wants to bring in. I think once he sat down and interviewed Luke and realized that Luke certainly knew what he was doing, knew mm -hmm. what he was talking about, mm -hmm. uh, it's a tremendous asset, and we know that uh, I believe that Urban has uh, a fondness for Luke Fickle. And Luke, uh, Urban wanted Luke to get a job. But like Luke, Urban didn't want Luke to take any job that was available. And we see that all the time. We see guys who are really accomplished coaches. They position themselves to take a job. And Chris Ash comes to mind. Chris Ash is at Rutgers. He's in year four at Rutgers. Rutgers is a really hard job. They won last weekend, though. I know they did, yeah. <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge Rutgers in the Big Ten. Sorry, Rutgers. You've got to take a job where if you've done the hard work, and sometimes it's more than a decade of hard work to get your shot, you got to make sure that when you get your shot, it's a place where you can also win. Well, that's interesting that you say that about Luke because this offseason, a Power 5 school came hard after Luke. West Virginia Mountaineers. And he did not take that. Mm -hmm. And it's us, and that just tells you, I think, a, a sense of loyalty that Luke has and, and – I think that was the right decision that he didn't take the West Virginia job. I would look I'm just going to get inside Luke's head for a second. Yeah. West Virginia, hard to recruit to in the league you're in? I would say yes. Although <laughs> the you got Big 12. You got Pennsylvania and Ohio and I know people say but still you're playing in the Big 12. Yeah. You're not playing in the Big East. You're not playing even in the ACC. And let's face it, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, all those, you're going to have to try to outslug them in recruiting. Big 12, you've got established powers, Texas and Oklahoma. Right. And so I think in terms well, of, and you say, I'm not saying West Virginia is a worse job than Cincinnati, but I'm saying if you're trying to win, Luke in the AAC and the athletes he can get in Ohio, who he knows from the coaches from being at Ohio State, I think Luke can use that job as a springboard to a job better than West Virginia. Right. Well, it's, it's obviously easier to win in Cincinnati and with the competition that they play than it is to win at uh, West Virginia. Now, maybe it's for less money, but I think Luke's paid pretty well down at UC. 
And I remember having this conversation with Tom Herman. And Tom Herman, when he was at Houston, mm-hmm. Tom would have been perfectly happy staying where he was, making good money. I mean, he was making really good money at Houston. Which is almost say, the same kind why of would I take any other? Uh, why would I take yeah. a Power 5 school job, Bruce, if – if it's not a job where I can win, it's crazy. Right. Because it makes Houston, no sense. Houston, you have access to those second-tier guys in a football-rich state like Luke does here, and you're yep. in the same kind of a league where you can dominate, and Herman did dominate. Yeah, so same kind of the same league, right? Yeah, yeah. same league. So the, And the question then becomes, okay, so Ohio State job opens up after Urban has his health issues and whatever, decides to leave coaching. And the question came up, would Ohio State hire Ryan Day or State Luke Fickle if Luke was still there? Ryan Day, two years at the time. Luke Fickle, let's say 20 years, longtime defensive coordinator and interim head coach. Go first. Having done a solid. Go first. Well, I think you're going to be surprised at my answer, okay. by the way. I'm going to say that had Luke Fickle stayed at Ohio State and had Ryan Day been here two years, the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes today would be Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell. Get out of here. Would man. be the head coach of the Ohio State Buckets. <laughs> Talking about. From Iowa State. Because, <laughs> because it would have been a thing where Urban would have had to anoint. I can't see Urban wanting to take the hit for, well, Urban, he's not afraid. See, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. But I think Urban would have wanted it to be Ryan Day. Because Urban's an offensive guy, not because he doesn't like Luke. I think that would have been a real tough one for Ohio State to pass over Luke. So they would have gone outside. They just said, see, we never promote from within for Ohio State football. We do that for Ohio State basketball. We do that for the Little Brother program in our under our umbrella. So they would have gone outside, and they would have hired Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Really? Yes. I don't know. I could be wrong on the Matt Campbell thing. I'm just trying to think back who had this magic dust on him at the time Urban quit, uh, Urban retired. And so I'm guessing Matt Campbell. Maybe it would have been somebody, a bigger name. My my general point is it would have been neither Ryan Day. I love Matt Fickle. Campbell. He's a Stark County boy. He is. He North, played at Perry and went to uh, Mount Union and had a nice college career. Uh, recruited my son, Noah, to play at Toledo. He's a great guy and a great young coach, although they just snuck by Northern Iowa in four overtimes this week. So people got the win. <laughs> yeah, got they the win. get the win. Here's who I think it would be. Uh, under the, if Luke was here, I still think that Urban would have promoted Ryan Day. I think Ryan it's, Day is it's, a. It's interesting you say Urban would have promoted. I thought it was the athletic director. You know decision. what I mean. Okay. All right. All right. You might G- be as a Freudian slip there by you. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it was. <laughs> who was ever in charge would have promoted Ryan Day to the head coach, and here's why: Ryan Day is is a in, within the coaching world is hot topic ryan day is wanted by many coaches many colleges ryan day was wanted by nfl teams yes so when you have that type of uh, hot commodity like ryan is and was you want to do everything that you have to do to promote him so if luke was still the co-defensive coordinator and not at cincinnati it wouldn't have mattered ryan day would have still been the head coach ryan day had a three-game audition last year but right. would he have gotten that, though, if Luke was here? Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. I don't yes. think he would have. I think he would have. No, right. I think that's an well, – Luke's I'm, been in him before. You've got to make that You Luke. weren't listening to what I was saying. No, I was listening. He was. He's such a hot commodity that they understand for the good of the program, we can't go and make an emotional decision. We have to make a decision on based on straight business and what's best for the program in the long run. 
That's why Ryan Day would have got the job. That's not saying I didn't want Luke to get a job. I wouldn't have been rooting for Luke. I would have hoped he would have got the job. If I'm in that same position because of the, of the, of the situation of, okay, who am I in more danger of losing yes. is Ryan Day than losing Luke Fickle. That's just proven by history in Luke's, Luke's history of staying at Ohio State. So Ryan Day would have got the job. He got the three-game audition. He did very well with the three-game audition, and you hit it on it very early in our conversation. Urban's an offensive guy. Urban had it rolling. He did. he did. Ryan Day's an offensive guy, and so far he has it rolling. So don't upset what you don't have to upset. That's why Ryan Day still would have got the job if Luke was here. I, don't, I, I think both guys are great. I don't think you could have made a poor decision, but I'm just telling you, that that's the decision that would have been made. Ryan Day would still be the coach here, and I think the majority of the fans agree with that. Yeah, I mean, how could you not be happy with Ryan Day based on what we saw Saturday, 45-21 over Florida Atlantic. The Justin Fields era looks like it's going to be uh, really memorable and really fun. I think there are tons of variables in this that we can't know. Uh, Number one, if Luke Fickle had stayed, would Greg Schiano have ever been here? How would the defense have played? We were assuming the defense would have played lousy last year. I'm not sure the defense would have played lousy last year if Luke Fickle was here. Yeah, And I'm not sure, and in fact, I do not agree with your assessment that Ryan Day would have been the interim last year when Urban was suspended. I believe that would have had to have been Luke Fickle. I disagree, but okay. we'll disagree we'll on disagree. that. We'll but disagree. here's the other thing, too. I really, and I really believe, and I think he knew this, and again, a speculative on my part, that Luke knew he had to go. Mm-hmm. It's time to go. You got to fly the nest. Yeah. You got to get out of here. Yeah. You have to get out of here, whether it's going to the NFL, taking another job. It's time for you to go and make your own. Luke took one for the team. The one uh, guy that tweeted the show is absolutely correct. Luke was put into a possible situation. He took one for the team. He was compensated for it. Uh, he had no promises coming back when Urban came in. He went in, he interviewed Urban. I talked to Urban about Luke. Urban mm-hmm. ended up keeping Luke Fickle on staff, which was a great decision by Urban. And Luke was a great team guy. But for Luke's, for his career, he had to make the move. And good for him that he was patient enough to wait for the right job mm-hmm. to come around. And they won 11 games last year. They're off to a good start this year, and they have the chance of a lifetime Saturday afternoon at noon in the horseshoe. They certainly do. Uh, Brian tweets the show, and he says uh, of Luke Fickle or Ryan Day, he says they would have hired whoever had the better chance of retaining Mariotti. I assume he means Marotti, not Jay, Mickey Marotti, not yeah. Jay Mariotti, the sports writer. I don't think Jay has anything to do with Ohio <laughs> State. Yeah, I, yes, correct. Yes, just We're, kidding you, Brian. I appreciate you listening to the show. We appreciate you tweeting the show. We're just having a little fun. That's what we like to do here. What do you think? When, what do you think of his answer? What do you think of that? Um, well, I mean, Ryan Day. It's inarguable. He retained the Meyer Mafia, Mar- Mar- Marotti, Pantoni, Voltolini. He got all three of them. We got kept all every soprano here on campus. I don't know if uh, Luke Fickle would have. You done say that, that in jest, I'm sure. I, in totally in jest. Okay, of course, good. Yes. I don't want to wind up on the bottom of a lake somewhere. <laughs> Well, nobody can find you where you live, believe me. You're safe. By the way, it was you, your idea to come safe. out here. You're, You're safe. I hit about three chickens and a rooster on the way out of here. You gonna stick By the around? way, I brought dinner. I, I left one out in your driveway. You can gut it and clean it and behead it, whatever you do with it later. You're going to help me uh, spread that mulch no. I have in my trailer today? No. No, 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 no shot of that happening. So. Uh, so. Look, 
Mickey would have stayed in a, um, Mickey's an important part of this. And I think strength coach is the most important hire. I've told you that before because he's the guy that spends the most time. First of all, Mickey loves Ryan Day and Mickey loves Luke Fickle. So it doesn't matter who got the job. Mickey was going to be here. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. He is. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Yeah. And, you know, that strength. But if you ever talk to ever, when I did college football and I would go around all these different campuses and talk to all these head coaches, every one of them has the best strength coach in the world. Every <laughs> strength coach is doing something so new and unique. I think it's it's not about what exercises the strength coaches do. It's about how well does the strength coach communicate the coach's message to the players when the coach is not allowed to communicate with the players. Maybe I'm on the wrong social media platforms, but I will give Mickey Marotti a ton of credit in that I don't ever see him on social media doing the crazy stuff that I see like the Oregon guy doing where he's like on a mountaintop at 4 a.m. How bad you want it? You want it bad enough? To be out? I mean, that yeah. kind of stuff. It gets old on kids. Man. It's like. It gets old. No, he does. He's straight business. <laughs> yeah. He's straight business. Yeah, he's, he's very honest. No doubt his results are he, inarguable. He, but he's very honest with the guys. You know, he doesn't play those those games. Now, he pushes them hard in the weight room and gets on them when he has to get on them, but he doesn't need tricks and gimmicks. I, I think that's where, you know, the one thing I cannot stand, I hate it. I hate it with such a passion that it forces me to change the channel mm -hmm. is that when these little uh, trinkets that are handed out on the sidelines. Turnover chain, turnover uh, chain. Or turnover chain or whatever. Touchdown or rain. lunch pail boxes yeah. or yeah. go to work or all that. May, I, I just can't stand it because I think it's fabricated. I hate fabrication within the team. I hate anything fabricated within the game, on the sidelines, or within a team. It makes me nauseous and ill, and I think it's disrespectful to the game. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't take it. Note to our engineer, uh, hold that gold medal we had for Spiels today for driving out here to the country yes. to do the podcast. Exactly. I will maybe later give that to him for <laughs> yes. some other reason. Okay, Justin Fields, fantastic in his debut. I compared it, and you can find this story, at uh, a new site for Ohio State fans to follow, maven.io backslash Ohio State. I compared Braxton Miller's debut, JT Barrett's debut, and Justin Fields' debut. Their first start, okay? Their first start. Justin Fields superior to both of his predecessors who, like him, are dual-threat quarterbacks. Justin Fields, of course, one touchdown rushing on his fourth play, 51 yards untouched, and four Touchdown passes. I, I don't think he could have been better. He's a better thrower of the football than I thought he was. And the the one pass where he had to make a tough throw and throw a guy open was the one on the sidelines to Austin Mack. Good for Austin Mack from coming back from an injury. I think he's going to be a, a prolific wide receiver for Ohio State before the year's up. I, I do want to retract, and, and this is a beauty of podcasts. I can make statements, and then when I, I think about it. I hope you're retracting what I think you're retracting. Well, I'm going to put a um, what what is it uh, incomplete on this so far? Okay, I made a statement that I don't know if he's explosive as a runner as I thought he was. I'm not going to say that yet because I, he didn't have to be. I want to see when he's forced to run the football how explosive he can be. I want to see if Kevin Wilson's uh, words come true, fastest quarterback that he's seen. And then again, I said, well, then we soon forget Mike Vick when he was in college at Virginia Tech. Uh, YouTube that dude in college because I've never seen anybody Ridiculous. faster or play faster than he did. 
Uh, what I was, you know, I, I got all the comparisons that think of Cam Newton in college, right? Cam Newton was just a, a beast. And this was, and Justin is supposed to be the second coming of Cam Newton. Now, I want to be able to see it. I, I just, I made a statement and I made a statement too fast. I don't know how good of a runner Justin Fields is yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I don't have a big enough sample to be able to make that determination. I think all the physical qualities are there, and I'm excited to see when we start playing games against um, good opponents. And who knows, maybe Saturday we'll see this when a lot of quarterback runs will be put into play. Uh, I just got a little bit nervous when some guys were catching him from behind when he was in the pocket. I think Mm -hmm. there's got to be – he had some good escape moves, but I still think he can improve on his pocket awareness. And, again, I am nitpicking – on what Justin Fields is doing, because as, as far as a debut for him, couldn't have, it couldn't have gone any better. No way. Yeah, now we'll, any better. S- we'll see if his first entire season matches up to JT Barrett's first entire season, which was, uh, other than a loss to Virginia Tech, flawless, <laughs> and he finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting. <laughs> Isn't that uh, amazing but after I wouldn't, that Virginia I, Tech game? I don't know. If you had to tell me right now, uh, bet yes or no, Justin Fields uh, finishes in the top five of the Heisman or no, he doesn't finish in the top five of the Heisman. I mean, it seems a little strange to say, oh, yes, he will. But it also seems a little foolhardy to say, no, he won't, based upon his stats and how I know they're going to use him. Well, he just, One thing Justin has is tremendous talent around him. I mean, watching that game back, and I'm watching uh, Stabline over there coaching the wide receivers, mm-hmm. and they're running... <laughs> <laughs> they're running groups of wide receivers. You're watching Heartline, Coach Wide. Heart, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, they're running groups of wide receivers out at a time, like three or four out at a time. You know, and then I'm watching other college football games, and they're just begging for one of those guys to transfer to them. Yeah. Except it does. College football feels to me after week one, and I know it's early, it feels to me like uh, – the NBA during the LeBron Golden State Warriors era, if you cloned the Warriors and LeBron, because college football feels me, it, the playoff almost feels like a fait accompli right now. It feels like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma. Five teams for four spots. That's what it feels like. I, and I, that's what it's been. Well, other than Notre Dame last year, yes, I remember you were. Let's in. see what uh, Texas looks like, too. Okay, we'll LSU. see what Texas looks like against Joe Burrow and a, LSU. It's getting a, them at home. Yeah, it's a better. It's a. It's it's a. You, you know, it's it's tough to get the sample size because there was only one matchup with ranked teams last week, and that was Auburn and Oregon. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to say right now. By the way, what college football team is the furthest west in the geographic United States that we really need to pay attention to? Is there a team west? Hawaii beat uh, Arizona. Well, no, I mean, I guess we have to pay attention to Oklahoma. But, I mean, is there <laughs> the Pac-12? What I'm getting at is the Pac-12. Just Not a big fan of the Pac-12? Oh. Had a rough week. Well. Although Stanford beat Northwestern. Oh, yeah, that was a scintillating <laughs> performance. <laughs> I was like going back to, to 1980s. 17 to 7. It looked like a, I could have played in that holy game. Holy cow, that was terrible. Both quarterbacks were bad, and Kevin Costello, the Stanford quarterback, got hurt. UCLA was dreadful against Cincinnati, and the USC Trojans uh, lose quarterback JT Daniels for well, the season with a torn ACL. That, yeah. That's a very bad break for him and a very bad break for yeah. Clay Helton. Although, is it? Maybe that gives Clay Helton an excuse. 
I don't think there's have any a chance. I got to play a true freshman quarterback. Urban took all the excuses away when he, he wins the national championship with Cardale Jones when you're at a place like USC or Ohio State. No more excuses. Urban Meyer did it with his third-team guy with four days to prepare for the Big Ten championship. And by the way, a run through the playoffs. Yeah, I heard uh, this morning already on a national sports show uh, them talking about Urban Meyer to USC. All right, here's the, here are the numbers. No way. From the first... From the debut start for Justin Fields, J.T. Barrett, Braxton Miller, uh, Justin Fields had 234 passing. J.T. Barrett had 226. J.T. threw for two touchdowns, one pick. Justin Fields for four touchdowns. And uh, Braxton Miller, not a thrower, of course, at that point in his career, even though he had two TDs, only five completions in his start. Yeah, well, it's just a a different type of player. It's a different type of offense, too, by the way. Let me give you a little-known fact. What's Terrell Pryor's debut? I didn't look it up. Well, that's I not, should have. This, that's, I'm remiss. <laughs> that's really not that's the really low, <laughs> diligent. Low achievement. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Backing it in for this? You can, you can, Get the FedEx envelope. Right. Bruce mailed it in this one today. Put my gold medal away, too. I'm not getting, I'm not getting mine. <laughs> will you have, for the next one, will you look that up or I, I tweet that out or of something? Of course. I, tend to, I mean, Terrell Pryor was pretty good in his day here. I just want to forget the whole TPA. Well, I'm, I'm, we're looking at it from a numbers point of view. Yes, we are. Okay. Little known fact, but true. J.T. Barrett, Braxton Miller both lost in their second career start, which came in Ohio Stadium. Braxton Miller against Michigan State and J.T. Barrett against Virginia Tech. Well, that was rough. Uh, That was a rough night. Daddy Nicholas, he was our daddy that night, rushing the passer. Woo! But, hey, did you ever see an offensive line improve more in a season than the O-line game two against Virginia Tech to the game to the games in the college football playoff. Well, I think, Woo. you know, who do you give credit to? Ed Warner. Ed Warner, right. Yeah. You know, and you give credit to Ed Warner, but he also give credit to everybody in Urban Meyer being able to get the guys to readjust and refocus. That's when I truly knew, I mean, I had an inkling of how good of a coach Urban mm-hmm. Meyer was, of how that team responded. Now, it got a little bit frustrating over the years, and I know Urban was frustrated with this. It seemed like every year there was always that game, and – there was always that Iowa. There was always that Purdue. Mm-hmm. That's something I hope that this team and Ryan Day avoids this year. Also, little known fact from that Virginia Tech game, starting tailback for Ohio State, Curtis Samuel. Zeke Elliott had not yet won the job at tailback. So a lot of things changed yeah. during that season. Yeah. Okay, a big change last night. You watched Oklahoma take care of Houston. You saw Jalen Hurts playing quarterback for Oklahoma. And what a debut for him. Three touchdown passes rushing, three touchdown passes throwing something his predecessors, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, never did in any game. He did it by the start of the fourth quarter. I thought Jalen Hurts looked completely different than he looked at Alabama. Said Oklahoma Lincoln Riley magic going on. Coaching is underrated because he looked like a guy who'd really been coached how to play quarterback. I just think it's a different type of offense, right? Jalen Hurts, I thought he could play quarterback, and what – the biggest thing about Jalen Hurts to me was when he came in when Tua Tunga Viola got hurt last year, mm-hmm. and Jalen Hurts came in and won the ball game for Alabama. Do you remember that? Oh yes, and heartwarming I, I just thought, story. That just says everything about Jalen Hurts. And I feel good for guys who overcome obstacles or gals who overcome obstacles, who overcome setbacks, and are able to have a night like he had last night. That was awesome to see and awesome to watch. And, you know, the kid's a great kid. 
and a future leader. Just look about how he handles himself and how he talks about his team and his players and for him to get the opportunity. And for me, thank goodness for the graduate transfer rule or the transfer portal because this kid has a chance to play and shine and showcase his talents where if he stayed or had to stay at Alabama, he'd be sitting on the bench. Oh, well, that's a nice backup they have there. Yeah, well, I love the graduate transfer rule. If you do the work in the classroom, you should be eligible immediately. We're going to get to the transfer portal and all that uh, and the vagaries of that momentarily. But, you know, before the game, I thought, and boy, that's, I just I get a little pep in my step figuratively when I turn on a college game and it's Sean McDonough. I think Sean and Scott and Todd Blackledge are so good together. I just love Sean on college football. And I thought the whole pregame stuff of could Lincoln Riley win a third Heisman with a third transfer quarterback, I thought it was a little contrived because I thought, oh, there's no way Jalen Hurts is going to win the Heisman <laughs> Trophy. And then I watched the game and I'm like, eh, I wouldn't yeah. bet against it. Normally I would say, well, there's blank fatigue. There's Oklahoma fatigue. There's Lincoln Riley fatigue. There's system quarterback fatigue or whatever. But I think, Spiels, and I want to see if you agree, Jalen Hurts is such a well-liked young man because he went through a season at Alabama as the backup after being 24-2, and after getting into two national championship games. I think people like Jalen Hurts, and I don't think they're going to penalize Jalen Hurts. In fact, I think they're rewarding. They're going to reward yeah. him in the Heisman voting for the way he stuck around. Now, he didn't run at the first sign of trouble. I think most of these guys, and we see them all over the country, Oh, I'm not going to be the starter. It doesn't look like I'm going to be the starter. They don't even wait to find out if they're going to be the starter. Right. It doesn't look like I'm going to be the I starter. I don't blame those kids, by I the way. I don't either, but it's just different. I'm saying Hurts' situation was, I'm going to keep my head down for a year. Tua played a great second half against Georgia, so I'm not the quarterback anymore. I'm out of here, man. You could see that a I lot could, of places. And I wouldn't have blamed the guy for doing Nor that. Or would I. But he stuck in there, and then he got the benefit on the back end, which is a great testament to perseverance and handling So you know what Jalen Hurts is? is a coach's dream. Yeah. How would Jalen handle it? That's, that's what Nick Saban can say. And I, I guarantee you there's not a happier guy for Jalen Hurts than Nick Saban was last night. I got to believe that. I really have to believe that he's extremely excited for Jalen Hurts. Because we talked about this earlier in the podcast, that coaches are invested emotionally in these players. And so when one of your guys in, in goes and does well someplace else, when you can't use him, Nick Saban has to be happy with him. If he's not, then he's a complete robot. ESPN already rooting. Which he's been accused of. Yes, ESPN already uh, rooting for college football playoff semifinal Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts against Alabama, wow. and Justin Fields in Ohio State against Georgia. Yeah. Already rooting for that. Yeah. And I don't blame them one little bit. All right. Uh, By the good. way, Washington's okay in the Pac-12. And Utah's not bad. I, just can't get, I can't get that eyesore of an offense out of my head from Washington. the Rose Bowl. They have their own little transfer quarterback, Jacob Eason from Georgia. There you go. Yeah. Because he was the, he was the starter, tore up his knee. Jake Fromm stepped in, took him to the national championship game. Bye bye, <laughs> said Jacob Eason. All right. Uh, speaking of transfer quarterbacks, speaking of immediately eligible transfer quarterbacks who have not graduated, uh, we welcome to the stage Matthew Baldwin, former Ohio State Buckeye, declared eligible to play at TCU after TCU's opener on Saturday uh, due to an appeal of his initial rejection. And I'm going to give kudos here. Let's mark this. 31 minutes into the podcast episode number seven. Kudos to Gene Smith and Ohio State for supporting his appeal to become 
immediately eligible. That is the right thing to do by any school, and I applaud Ohio State for being big enough to rise above, oh, he put us in a tough spot at quarterback, and prioritizing what's best for the young man. That's an outstanding effort by Gene and the Ohio State Athletic Program. Let's mark that down. What is it? 31, 31 minutes into the <laughs> episode seven. That's that's the beauty of you. You you do call him like you see him, and that's yeah. why we work together. Right when a guy thing. does right, you tell him. When the guy, in your opinion, does wrong, you tell him. For me, I think Gene, um, and I've had good discussions with Gene over the past three years. I think he sees the writing on the wall. Uh, Gene genuinely genuinely wants what's best for the student athlete. I think he really does. He understands that uh, pay for play in some type or form is coming. It will be here. And it should. And he understands that, look, he, he played the game. He played at Notre Dame. Gene was a good college football player. He knows how important it is and understands that the opportunity for kids to play, if it's not here for Matthew Baldwin, and you know, it, it would be difficult for them to benefit from a transfer, but then to stop somebody from transferring. Yeah. That would but be team, totally but, but hypocritical. Schools do it all the time. They do it all the time, and it's ridic- ridiculous. And how the NCAA determines whether a guy is eligible mm. or not eligible is a joke. It's insane to me what they're doing. Just give every, make it easy. Everybody gets a, a, a free pass. You one get time. one one-time transfer. In your career. If you don't like it, get out. You're free. You're immediately eligible. Five years, you're able to play your college athletic career in five years. One time, you can transfer and be immediately eligible somewhere else. You know else. who hates that? Um, coaches would hate that, right? Coaches would hate that. Sure, you'd have to recruit them and then re-recruit them. Yeah, and, and you got to suck them. up to them and yeah. all that, and if guy wants to leave. Uh, I, I think you'd have to uh, – here's the thing. From an enforcement perspective, you would have to not allow, let's say, you know, a coach to call a kid. Hey, you're not starting, but you could start here. You mm-hmm. couldn't allow that. No. But, then it, but it'd be tough to police that because you'd have back-channel communication and stuff. But I do think – Every kid, one time, it'd take a lot off their plate. It takes take a, a lot, lot off of the NCAs yes. off the plate because they can't just arbitrarily rule. He's good. He's not good. He can transfer. He's eligible. Oh, he's not eligible. Yes, they can, and they did. In the case of Brock Hoffman, a center spiels for Coastal Carolina. So, obviously, the uh, future of the college football playoff <laughs> tilts on the axis of where Brock Hoffman plays his college football. As a center, good enough to be recruited at Coastal Carolina, we can't have him going somewhere and giving that team a massive advantage to win its league. So, the NCAA says net to Brock Hoffman's request to be immediately eligible at Virginia Tech where he wanted to transfer because it is two hours closer to his mom, who had brain surgery in 2017 and is still suffering debilitating health effects from that surgery and her recovery. They said no. Even though he is like a hundred and he is like less than 10 miles from being inside the 100-mile limit, even though his mom and family are struggling financially with a million dollars in bills and all this She kind still of stuff. has to work. She still has to work. And that's what the NCAA used. <laughs> she can still work. Wow. She's fine. She's good enough to work. What do you have to transfer for? And it, this is just a nonsensical ruling. It was ripped pillar to post by Scott Van Pelt on ESPN. I applaud Van Peasy for that. Yeah. And I thought and hoped there'd be enough outrage over this that the NCAA would have to relent. But to this point, not yet. No, it, I, there's a, is it, 
in the NCAA, do you think they sit in the back room and say, all right, we're going to allow everybody to transfer because for the good of the game, it's important that we get good quarterbacks at good schools? So we're just going to allow quarterbacks to transfer with impunity. They must. They're all over the place this year. A a center from Coastal Carolina whose mom had a brain tumor. Oh, by the way, and by the way, no, no, no. Maybe they got as far on his No, we got to be tough on this. (laughs) They looked and they said, Tate Martell, you want to go to Miami? For what? Why? Because you get there's another transfer coming in. You want to go? Oh, go ahead. Oh, you know Miami's so close to his home in Las Joe Vegas. Joe Burrow, you want to go? Yeah. Have at it. Well, Joe was a graduate. Joe was a graduate. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. But, I mean, we got Hunter Johnson at Northwestern. Well, I guess he sat out, but still, I mean, this is just dumb. This is just dumb. Like, come on, man, have th- a heart. Why, why, it's not even have a heart. Have common sense. Yeah, right. Why don't I mean, just just apply common sense to your rules? <laughs> They're not their rules. Their rules set forth. The NCAA is the enforcement of the rules. But the rules set forth are by some secret hierarchy committee, the oligarchs or what? what are we, oof, E-Force. The E-Force. From three, yeah. movie 300, by the way. Illuminati. <laughs> Maybe sometimes the NCAA sits there and goes, okay, guys, we've ruled way too humanitarily <laughs> yeah. in the Tate Martell case, the Matthew Baldwin case. It's been a while since we... Ruled in such a way that everybody scratched their heads and went, "Oh yeah, that's the NCAA." Okay, this Hoffman. Let's bring him back to reality. Tell him off with his head. I mean, he's he is a sacrificial lamb. Who cares if a Coastal Carolina center? I mean, who's? I mean, Virginia Tech. Tell me, but let me ask you a serious question. I mean, who's like sitting in the board? I can picture sitting in the boardroom. All right, we're letting Justin Fields transfer. We're letting Tate Martell transfer. We're letting Matthew Baldwin transfer. But I got to tell you, we got to draw the line on a kid's mom who had a brain tumor who's suffering. He wants to be close to her. And, you know, he's going to go to Virginia Tech to be in off to compete, to be a backup offensive lineman. We're not letting him go. Yeah. I'm hoping this never made it. We're to drawing the a line at that, darn it. Maybe it was just a, uh, an insignificant, low-level NCAA employee in his cubicle who was having a bad day because he didn't get his order right from Subway, <sighs> and he just said no. He said no to everything that day, including poor Brock. It's just so deflating we got when I back, hear that. Brock. We got your back, man. Hopefully we'll be talking on a future podcast here. Yes. About you being eligible. Speaking of the podcast, you can find it on every podcast platform known to me. Maybe not to man, but there are a lot of them out there. Many we've placed it on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, on and on and on and on. And it's appearing on many that I did not place it on. So I know they're picking it up. And we are blown away and are very appreciative of your uh, response to the podcast. And uh, we will uh, continue to churn these out. Uh, as we talk Buckeyes, Browns, Browns season. We're going to get to the Browns tomorrow, our edition tomorrow, yeah. because now we have to get to the emails, and you can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Let's go. All right, first email from Bill in Morgantown. Whoa, almost home of Luke Fickle. He says, do you guys see a team after week one of the college football season on Ohio State's schedule that the Buckeyes could lose to? Yes. A team they could lose to. Who is it? Two of them. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Michigan State, and Michigan, three. I I would say Wisconsin would be at the top of my list. I don't know if I believe in their quarterback. I can see no conceivable way they could lose to Michigan State. <laughs> and Michigan, uh, Bob Winowski, longtime friend of mine from the Detroit News, uh, after the Michigan game, 
Friday night, Saturday night, tweeted, give me a word to describe Michigan. And so I tweeted at him in all one word with no spaces, still not good enough. They, they're playing the wrong quarterback. Christian McCaffrey, not Christian, uh, uh, Dylan McCaffrey should be their quarterback. Shea Patterson, stop me if you've seen this movie. Put it on the ground twice okay. for Michigan all on right. Saturday night. We'll see. Their offense did look different. I will say that. They didn't huddle a lot. They did not look like the ancient, plodding, caveman Jim <laughs> Carbaugh offense. Do not underestimate the ability of a team to continue to get better yeah. and better as the year goes on. They have some athletes. They had a, the kid that averaged uh, uh, Charbonnet or Charbonnet. I liked him and the other freshman running back. And they, he, the yeah. kid averaged 11 yards a carry. I, I'm just saying, let's not disregard Michigan. You can never disregard Michigan. So the answer to his questions right now, Michigan State, in my opinion, Wisconsin, and uh, Michigan. Okay, so this is a similar question. Uh, this comes from Alex in Youngstown. Who in the Big Ten besides OSU impressed you the most? Wisconsin. Wisconsin, because of what they did to poor Charlie Strong in South Florida? Uh, yeah, and Jonathan Taylor, when you have that type of game breaker, uh, he, he's, a, he's a problem. He really is a problem. I, I, I'll, I'll just carry this email a little further. Teams are disappointed. I thought Nebraska was disappointing, mm-hmm. although J.D. had a great punt return and took a cheap shot away from a play that he would have been fined or suspended mm-hmm. in the NFL. I'll have to show that to you later. Um, Purdue was very disappointing to me. Well, Purdue in Nevada. had a big lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, Nevada ties it. Purdue throws an interception yeah. with like 30 seconds to go, and then that's the best story of the weekend. The Nevada kid who was a freshman walk-on kicker who hit a 56-yard field goal in the last play, and his coach gave him a scholarship in the game, in the locker room after the game. That's an emotional decision. Shouldn't have made it, Coach. Yeah, it is an emotional <laughs> decision. Uh, Spiel said Jonathan Taylor's four <laughs> touchdowns, including the first two receiving touchdowns of his career. Maybe they're going to start to employ him more as a receiver, and if they do, that's trouble. <laughs> He's a good player, man. He, he is, is an explosive player. guy. Uh, Brandon Peters, speaking of Michigan quarterbacks, uh, at Illinois with a big win over Akron. Not that that's typically anything to uh, write home about, but it's a big one for Lovey Smith because had that been close, the Lovey Smith not yeah. getting it done rumors would have continued again. Both Penn State and Maryland put up 79 points. I actually thought Penn State's quarterback looked pretty good. Penn State's all – all those teams are going to be good. and and Neither you nor I mentioned Penn State as a team well, that could beat Ohio State because they're playing them here in a stadium, and, of course, Penn State always figures out a way to lose that I game. just think this. I, I think, you know, Ohio State has Penn State's number. The, the problem that Ohio State has, it's not a problem because these kids really step up to the challenge usually on, on this, is, the, is that anytime somebody plays Ohio State, you're going to get their very best – and that's a challenge that Ohio State has to answer every single time they step on the field. No doubt. All right, so that'll do it for this uh, Monday edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with a special edition where we'll talk some more Browns. We'll talk some more Buckeyes, of course. And you have uh, something else. Our motto is we tackle everything, and we do tackle everything. You know, some uh, things filtered through the prism of how Spielman and I try to live our yeah, life. Yeah, I did some self-examination, and I'm going to pose a question to you. Okay, very good. So we will do that. We'll look forward to having you with us on all the podcast platforms here on the Spielman and Hooley podcast.